Amen. Thank you so much for those of you who are physically here with us and uh, those who are online and uh, watching from home or with a watch party or with your friends. Um, I hope you just keep your masks on. <laughs> you know, it's our privilege to continue with this uh, Ephesians series. And uh, we've been going through this the last few weeks and it's really been brilliant. It's been so good to just unpack God's word together and to really see what he's saying to us as a church. And so this evening's message is called Living and Thriving, Not Just Surviving. Paul here in uh, chapter 3, verse 14 to 19, he's speaking here and he's, he's kind of talking to the church of, in Ephesus and telling them to live according to their calling. In one word, he's kind of asking, speaking to this church and he's saying, mature, mature, I've called you for something, now walk in it. You know, we have to understand, just like they did, that we may live in pain, in persecution, in failure, but we have to trust that this will result in joy, in happiness, fruitfulness, and contentment. That's God's plan. Sometimes it looks a bit upside down in the sense as Christians, we walk through it with eager expectation that God is going to do something supernatural, and I believe He is. Madame Guyon says that it is the fire of suffering that brings forth the gold of godliness. Let me assure you, like I've been assuring myself over the past few months, that God has a purpose behind every problem. He is going to use all of these challenges that we are facing to develop in us character and shape us the way he wants us. God uses our circumstances more to to make us look more like Jesus. And Jesus warned us from the beginning that we are going to experience trials, we're going to experience trouble. No one is excluded from suffering. No one gets a skate through life problem free card. Life almost seems at times like it's a series of problems. As you conquer one, the next one seems to come. And as you hit the next one, the next one's there. And I know even in our personal lives, we've just fixed something and then another thing breaks at home. And then we fix the pool and then the pipe gets blocked. And then uh, uh, as we we paint inside of the room and the paint starts peeling off and now there's mold. And so we have to fix that and treat the whole outside. And as you conquer one thing, it's just like the next thing and the next thing. And in 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Peter assured us that we would have problems. And he said that, beloved, Do not be surprised when you face these fiery trials, when they come upon you to test you, as though it was something strange that happening to you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is preparing us for something that he has in store for us. It's not always so comforting when you're in the middle of it, but to know that God is at work. Be assured that God is at work. He's going to use these problems, and he does. He uses everything around us to draw us closer to him. You know, your most profound worship experiences, your most intimate times of the Lord Jesus will most likely come out of your darkest days. When your heart is broken, when you feel abandoned, when you're out of all options, when pain is great and you turn to him and him alone. You know, it's during suffering that we really find and, and pray our most authentic, heartfelt, honest to God prayers. When we're in pain, we don't have time for superficial prayers. We don't have time for superficial Christianity. 
Johnny Erickson says that when life is rosy, we may slide by knowing all about Jesus, imitating him, speaking like him, quoting him, but it's only in true suffering do we know Jesus. God could have kept Joseph out of jail. He could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Jeremiah from being tossed into the slimy pit. He could have kept Paul from being shipwrecked three times. He could have kept the three young Hebrew men from being thrown into a burning furnace, but he didn't. He let all those things happen to them. And every single one of those people, as a result, drew closer to the Lord. Problems force us to look at God and depend on Him instead of depending on ourselves. And Paul testified to this benefit. He said in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9, he said, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but it was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The Living Translation says that we felt that we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were. He says, but it was good, for then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us. You'll never know that God is all you need until he's all that you have. Regardless of the cause of problems, they will not happen without God's permission. And this is something to understand that everything that comes from the Lord is father filtered. Everything that happens to us is father filtered. He intends to use it for the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28 says, everything that happens to you, he intends to use for your good. Now last week, Nick spoke about three things that are so important about engaging with your calling. And he said, don't disengage from your calling because of your circumstances. He said, remember you, you are called to be a blessing to others. And don't be choked about from the worries of this world. And we're going to get into this next portion of Ephesians. And one can think that this, this prayer that Paul prays here is almost like a ladder that's going to help us climb to a different way of thinking. Not, and that's far superior to what we would normally think. But it's only through Jesus Christ. We need inner strength. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now we have to consider this first step, inner strength. The last few weeks um, or months, I don't know how many of you have uh, feel similar to me, but it's been quite a deep struggle. It's been frustrating at times. It's been exhausting and like myself, I don't know if you have, but I've been praying, Lord, we need breakthrough. Lord, I need breakthrough. And this week I was going through his text and we had planned this, um, I think it was two or three months ago, to go through his book of Ephesians. And as we came on this week, I hadn't even read my portion until Monday. And I looked at it and I just thought, oh man, I've got to get preparing for my message. And I read this where it talks about, may he grant you to be strengthened. And on Monday, I just sat there and I cried in my office and I thought, Lord Jesus, you're speaking to me. My prayer was, Lord, speak to me as I deliver your word. But we need to ask three questions as we read through this portion. Is that why is strength needed? And how is the need for strength manifested? And how do we strengthen our innermost being? See, our first question, why do we need strength? Some will say, I'm doing fine on my own. Why do I need inner strength? No, I'm good. Well, we need to grow. 
It's the first point, we need to grow. You know, as we come into this existence, we don't come as adults. When we're born, we come as little babies. And it's the exact same in our Christian journey. We come into this relationship with Christ as little babies, as babes. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1, he says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Just as weakness and immaturity of the physical baby shows in many ways, so does our spiritual weaknesses at times. They can be so evident. You know, we have no idea the dangers that are surrounding us when we're small, young, or new to faith. We have no discernment. We have very limited ability to fend for ourselves or feed ourselves. We don't know how to fight off the enemy. Every new challenge throws us into this turmoil of doubt and despair and because we, we haven't learned to trust yet and we don't know how to trust God and we have not learned to counter these things. In short, we, we're not strong when we start, but we're weak. When we become a believer, we start off weak. One man asked his friend, he said, so what's your son gonna be when he graduates? And the friend looked at him and said, an old man. And you know, some of us have or are or maybe or be on a similar spiritual path. Due to lack of spiritual food, lack of prayer, lack of intimacy, lack of spiritual parents, oversight to guide us, or maybe even distractions or our own will or the way we want to run off after ourselves, our careers, our temptations, girlfriends, relationships. We become like these little babies. Some will know of a cartoon from many years ago. It was a little baby Huey, it was a big duckling, a big, big, big duckling, and it had a nappy on the whole time. And I mean, it's so cute when you see little babies with nappies in their little carriers, and they're cute, they're adorable. I mean, Benji yesterday, in uh, his humanness, uh, he's still on nappies, he's just over two, and. Uh, yeah, he comes and he wants to take his nappy off. So he takes his nappy off and I just pull his pants up and I said, nah, what the heck, eh? And uh, oh, he's standing outside on our patio and, uh, and he goes, and I just see the run down his legs. And I couldn't help but to laugh at it. I thought, oh, <laughs> that's adorable. And he was like, ah! He looked at me and then he packed out laughing and he giggled. And uh, I couldn't help but laugh and so... I did what every good man does, and I said, I'm ready. <laughs> Come change his nappy, or just put a pants on. So she went in, and, and to be honest, I thought she put a nappy on him, but she didn't. She just, he came out with undies on, and he was like, yeah, daddy. And he was so proud of his little undies. And uh, then he pulled his pants up and then uh, carried on brying, and I heard, ooh. And he looked down, and he peed again straight through his pants. And uh, I, started, I couldn't have laughing at him the whole time. And I thought, oh, that's so adorable. But you know, it wouldn't be so cute if I did it. I think it would be quite embarrassing. It's not so cute or adorable when an adult walks around in a nappy. And yet spiritually, many of us, maybe, need them. We need strength. But even if we've reached a certain degree of maturity spiritually, we need to be working constantly on our spiritual strength. When you reach uh, maturity physically, when you reach a point of fitness or strength, 
You don't just give up, you carry on, you push harder. My dad always used to say to me when we were smaller, he says, I'm well built, just badly plastered. <laughs> and at times I feel the same. <laughs> I'm allowed to have a dad bod now, so. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. You see these sportsmen and sportswomen and, and their physiques and how, how well trained they are and you see them move into fields and they just operate and they, they do things and, and you think, wow, that's amazing. And you see the guys flex and you think, yeah, man, his wrist is the size of my arms. <laughs> and you think, yeah, that's so discouraging. How do they get there? And you think, I want to do it. And then you hear how they do it and you think, no, I'm not so keen, I'll settle. But you know, it takes extreme discipline to grow, to maintain you know, sometimes even harder to maintain the fitness than it is to get fit. And we need the same in our spiritual journeys, is to invest, invest. We need in the strength because no one will arrive this side of the grave. Second thing is we need to fight. You know, the reason why we need inner strength is very simple. The inner person, he, she, you have an enemy. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Your adversary. You know, when I read that, I was reading through it and I just thought, yeah. He's roaring around looking to kill you spiritually. He's looking to finish you. He's waiting. You know, lions, I don't know how many of you love wildlife, but I quite enjoy it. And I find it fascinating how wild animals sit and wait. You know, they're not so boisterous always and just run up and slap something, and there it falls over. But they prowl and they wait and they seek and they wait for the opportune moment. The moment they turned away or they're in a weak spot, they hit them. Your enemy, the devil, is roaring like, and he's waiting to hit you. You know, Peter's dressed Christians here. Believers. And he's suggesting that almost he's looking for a weak believer whose spiritual life he can destroy. Paul himself says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have an enemy and he is serious about destroying us spiritually. Although at times it can be very subtle. I mean, you listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14. He says, it's no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Most of the time I think Satan and his minions, they, they look around and, and they look very good when they come. They're convincing. And they try and convince us that right is wrong, that wrong is right. But we have to be strong. We need inner strength. There was a former heavyweight boxer, James Tillius, and he was a cowboy from Oklahoma in the 1980s, and he was a fighter. And uh, there's a, a funny story he tells, and he says that, you know, he says, years later, after his career, he looked back and he says, I remember the day I walked into the Windy City, Chicago, and he says, I got off the bus with my two bags and put my bags down. And he says, I looked up at the Sears Tower and I stared at it. And he said, 
I'm going to conquer Chicago. And he says, you felt almost dazed, just staring. I'm going to conquer Chicago. And he bent down to grab his bags and he looked and his bags were gone. And you know, that's our enemy. He's happy to have us, he's happy for our eyes to be fixed on what we're going to conquer. He places pride, he slips in little things so we take our eyes off Jesus and onto ourselves and what we're going to be and what we're going to become. And in the meantime, the devil swoops in and he steals our prayer, our devotion, our joy, our trust. And sometimes we don't even notice they're gone until we look back down and think we need them. We need inner strength because we have an enemy. The third thing is to increase our capacity for God. We need inner strength to increase our capacity for God. And this is really, I think, the burden of Paul's prayer. If you look at the beginning of verse 16 and 17, he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you strength to be strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ's love may dwell in you and that you may be rooted and grounded in love. He wants him to know that the glory of his love, Christ Jesus, he says that I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. And it seems like Paul's writing to them and saying, you know, the fullness of God, you must know it all, you must have it. Ask for it. And it seems like he's asking for the sun, moon, the stars, all these amazing things. But in the same sense, it's almost like he realizes that you cannot absorb it all at once. Our tendency would be to say the same probably as him, bring it on, bring it, fill me, I want it all, I need it all. Why do we need to ask for strength to absorb blessing in a sense? Because many would have read through the history books and as we look at concentration camps and when we see people that have been starved or on the verge of starvation, one's natural tendency is to think that, you know what, just give them everything that is good, it will save them. And you know if they eat too much good, they'll die. They won't be able to handle it. They won't be able to absorb it. They won't be able, it will actually make them sick. You know, they have to regain strength slowly by injections of glucose, they say, and, and they say also small meat extracts, lightly boiled eggs, something soft, but good nutritional value because a weakened person cannot take good food. I think that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 2, he says, at the beginning, I fed you with milk. Not solid food, for you're not ready for it yet. And even now, you are still not ready. If you had to give a baby red meat, strong meat, something like that, they would get acute digestion. It may cause them to get sick or even give them an illness. I remember when Patey was a little baby, the first six, seven months, she was colic, and so she would cramp all the time. And cramp, and cramp, and, and we thought... We tried everything. But, you know, we were giving her good stuff. But she couldn't absorb it. She couldn't take it in. And it hurt her. It hurt her so much. And she would cry and cry after eating. You know, similarly, we can't absorb everything at once that God has in store for us. You know, I think pride would eat us alive. You know, often when God does something miraculous, we pray for it, we cry out for it, and you know when it happens, we tend to take our eyes off God and not give Him the glory, but to say, yeah, I did it, woo -hoo! 
I did it. And I think if God had to shower us with all the blessing at once, I think we might fail to recognize his goodness. We're never gonna be ready yet on this side and so he does them in portions. He feeds us like a good parent, like a good father, he nourishes us. But we need to increase our capacity for God. And how do we notice that this, this strength is manifested in a sense, we, if I say, how is the need for strength manifested? How do we understand or recognize that I'm lacking strength in the first place? How do I see that I'm lacking strength? You know, I wanna point a few things out to you so that hopefully you'll start to identify and see, man, maybe I'm lacking strength in areas. The first is attacks of the mind. I mean, these come in all shapes and forms. I wanna give you a few ideas because maybe you'll, you'll relate to me. You know, doubt is probably the primary way that the enemy swoops in, that he comes in. Doubt is probably the biggest way that the devil comes to attack our spiritual lives. Doubt comes in when a Christian man or woman gets hit by a car or in a car accident and they were doing everything right, but they still died. Where is God? Doubt comes in when we hear of a family member or friend who just gets cancer. Where is God? Or when we think, or trying to, someone's trying to convince us that the Bible's contradicting itself. Oh, was this all a hoax? Where is God? Satan loves doubt. Persistent doubt, debilitating doubt. He loves to throw us off course. Christ cannot live with doubt. We need to be strengthened in our inner beings. You know, another way we get attacked is in the mind. How about depression? How about just this dullness, this inability to read God's word, to meditate on his word? How about, you know, yielding to temptation? Actually giving in. How about scheming dodgy plans? for business, for personal gain. How about rationalization? It's almost like the art of justifying what's wrong. We need strength to, to be in our right minds. You know, the third thing, he, he attacks our heart. You know, we need strength because he attacks our heart, our emotions all the time. You know, fears arise in this last few months of job security, of income, of our economy that's crumbling, of our leadership that's failing, retirement investments that are dwindling, broken hearts, families that are splitting. Fear, fear. How about discouragement? You know, I'm giving my best and I just get nailed. I'm giving my best and I'm not getting noticed. I'm giving my best and they're just critical. So easy to perhaps even justify all these things. All except the mind of Christ. You know, how about betrayal? Betrayal from a friend, from a family member. How about engaging in some flirtation that you shouldn't be? How about affairs? You know, idol worship, placing anything other than God in his place. We need to be strengthened in our innermost beings 
to prevent these heart attacks from wrecking our spiritual lives. We need inner strength to prevent spiritual heart attacks. In another way, attacks us are attacks of the will. We need strength as Christians because he attacks our will. He tries to divert us. I mean, anyone who has little kids or has had small kids will know that young kids have a will of their own. They'll do anything to prove that their way is right, that they need what they say they need, even if it's wrong. Unfortunately, many of us Christians never get beyond that stage. We're always trying to justify our own way and our will instead of obeying God's. We create and and give ourselves these heart attacks and throw ourselves away from the will of God when we deliberately disobey God. You know, we have people in the church, Christians, who you would think would, would understand scripture and all of these things and they're trying to justify living together, trying to justify sleeping around. You know, you have to test the car before you drive it. All of these stupid sayings and they cause themselves so much hurt. Deliberately disobeying God's word. You know, the big ones are so easy to spot because they're often out in the open. But it's the little ones that are not so much. I mean, how about those ones that are deliberately, willfully harboring hatred, anger, resentment, bitterness? We acknowledge Easily when we see a man or woman having an affair and saying, yeah, that's evil, that's wrong. But you know, those that living with these secret, lustful lives, fueled by movies, TV, pornography, all these things are just as bad. And we mention these things not to condemn anyone, but to rather show you that we all need strengthening in our inner man. We all desperately need strengthening. But you know, the biggest thing is how do we strengthen How do we gain strength? If you look at Paul's prayer, you can quite easily conclude that, you know, it's God that grants us the strength. But I think there's clearly a twofold part for us to play as well. In the book of Ezra, if you go and read it, you'll see that Ezra, the prophet, went and he would take God's word and he would read it in the morning, throughout the day, into the evening, and he would read God's word for many, many hours. And people would sit and they would take in God's word and, and listen and listen and listen. And it says that at times people would weep and cry after hearing God's word. They would cry when he finished. And I always think, imagine what the church would be if all of us had such a deep hunger and thirst for the word like they did. In Nehemiah chapter eight, Nehemiah was the governor and Ezra was the priest and the scribe and there were the Levites who were teaching the people about the word. And you know, they wanted and they would teach everyone and it says that their joy was over the fact that they understood the word. Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Because of that, we see that the joy of the Lord was their strength. This illustrates what we see so many times and always acknowledges, you know, you get this revelation from God's word and we feel this joy often and we feel like, wow, thank you, Lord. You know, God does the work through his Holy Spirit, but he uses the word of God, just like he did in Nehemiah's time. Our part is to take in the word of God to meditate on it, to chew on it, to eat it. 
and to give him something to work with. There's no substitute, there's no shortcuts. We have to go and eat his word. One aspect of receiving this gift of strength is, is to take delight and joy in God's word. I wish for myself and others that we would just have an increased desire to know and to seek God and to read his word and to study his word. But you know, there's another part on our part and we can see it kind of in Psalm 138 verse three. He says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of my soul, you increased. And you cannot miss the message of what David was crying out here. He says, how do we receive this free gift of inner strength? David said, he says, on the day I called upon the Lord. He wanted it. He asked for it. He sought after it and he prayed. He reached out to God. On the very day, he says, my, the strength of my soul, my inner being, you, O oh God, increased. You have to want it. You have to desire it. You have to seek his word. If you're happy about your situation, not really interested in overcoming complacency or materialism or worldliness in your life, you probably won't be or feel the need to be in God's word. You probably won't be praying. You know, but for those who desire God and seek after him, he is available. Our part is to seek him, ask and to wait. I says, knock and the door will be open. Now our job is to seek him, to run after him, to persistently go and to reach out to him. Like David said, he says, I called upon the Lord. Your job is to call, is to reach out. You know, his part, his part, from verse 16, he says, of Ephesians chapter three, he says, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. His part is to actually do the strengthening through his Holy Spirit who dwells in every believer. And you know, he says he will do it according to the riches of his glory. You know, you see the riches of his glory. And you know, in Exodus 33 verse 18, um, Moses was busy leading the Israelites out of Egypt and, and so they had settled in a place now and they had, uh, had erected the tent and he was, uh, he was often worshiping and, uh, in the tabernacle, sorry, and he was worshiping and, and uh, it says that he would speak to the Lord and God would speak to him. And he would experience God's presence and, and uh, he cries out one day and, and Moses says, he says, Moses, um, I want to, uh, sorry, Moses says to the Lord, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. And God responds to him and says, okay, Moses, I will show you my goodness. You know, I never really looked at it. He said, I want to see your glory. And God responds and says, I'll show you my goodness. Later on, he goes to explain. He says, if I had to show you my face, you wouldn't live. So I will show you my goodness rather. You know, his goodness encompasses everything about his glory. We look back at Ephesians 3 verse 16, and it's according to the riches of his glory that he strengthens us. And his glory must always be defined by his goodness. What that means is that whatever we need in his goodness, he will and can supply. Do we need punishment or to suffer trials then? 
Well, he may do that in order to show you his goodness in that area. Do we need to be strengthened? Well, he may present the opportunity for you to be strengthened. Do we need to be encouraged? He may present the opportunity to encourage you. Do we need faith, patience, hope, love, providence? He may present the opportunities to show you his goodness. Our part, knowing the word, asking and waiting. You know, in the last few months I've met many people and felt at times a bit crushed, a bit emptied, tired, pushing, pushing, pushing and fighting. Sometimes we feel like we're right at the end of ourselves. But we have to trust that God in his glory will shower us with his goodness. That he will meet every need for us like he did for Abraham right at the place of, of the slaughter. At the greatest need of our hour, he came through and he delivered the lamb. And you know, I believe for myself, for you, for everyone that God will meet you at your point of need. Second Corinthians 12 verse nine says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. John 15, he talks to us and he says, abide in me. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Psalm 37 verse seven, he says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about the evil people who prosper and fret. Don't worry about them. Wait patiently for the Lord to act. Seek him, desire him, ask, cry out and wait patiently. You know, Paul starts off this prayer and he says, for this reason, in Ephesians chapter 16, 14, he says, for this reason, you need to know who you belong to. He says, you need to be rooted and grounded in love. You need to be filled by the fullness of God with the love of Christ so that his power can be at work in and through us so that he can be glorified through Christ Jesus throughout the nations. Psalm 28 verse six to seven says, blessed is the Lord because he hears our voice, the voice of our supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him for I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise him. And you know, last night I went and we were sitting in our lounge and um, we just put on worship music and we had the kids asleep and we just said like, let's just praise the Lord. And we were just singing songs and, and worshiping. And you know, as we were worshiping, um, I just felt the Lord impress on my heart. And uh, yeah, you just, I just felt so clearly that he said, read Ezekiel chapter two and three and see how I spoke to Ezekiel. And I felt it so clearly and, and you know, I was, I was reading through it and I thought, sure, okay, I'll do it. And, and I believe it's a prophetic word for all of us. I wanna declare God's word over every single one of us. You know, I was reading this and, and I finished my message on Friday. And God speaks to Ezekiel and he says, stand up, son of man. 
Verse 3, he says, stand up for I'm sending you. He says, son of man, do not fear what people will say. Chapter 3 goes on and he says, son of man, eat what I'm giving you. And he says, and God presented him with the scroll. And Ezekiel responds and he says, so I took it and opened it and ate it. Then he says, son of man, fill your stomach. And Ezekiel responds and says, then I ate it and tasted it. And there was as sweet as honey in my mouth. And there's four, he says, the Lord speaks to him and says, now son of man, go. And I was reading this last night and I just thought, I think God is speaking to us as a church. Son, daughter, step up. Son, daughter, I have chosen you. I am sending you. Son, daughter, do not fear what people say, what people will do. Son, daughter, eat the scroll. Devour the word. We need to respond like Ezekiel and say, I'll open it, I'll eat it. I'll open it, I'll dig into it. He says, son, daughter, fill your stomach. We need to respond, I will eat it and taste it. But then he commands us and he says, go. Now reach people, reach people. Start with your family. Start with your friends. Eat the scroll daily. Eat the scroll, eat the scroll. Consume it, fill your stomach with this. Now I wanna pray over all of us. You know, I was preparing this and I felt pretty weak, I won't lie, the last few weeks. I felt just tired. You know, I was reading this and I thought, Lord, you're just speaking to me here. And he has been, and he's been saying the exact same thing to me. Eat. You're tired because you're not eating enough. You're not nourished because you're not eating enough. Don't become fearful of what man will say or think. Eat, eat, eat. Take courage. Stand up. Stand up. Take courage. I'm sending you. So Lord Jesus, we just, we come to you this evening, Lord. And we worship you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we don't want to live in fear and worry. We don't want to live in defeat, Lord Jesus. We turn to you, Lord. We love you, God. We thank you for your word, Lord. We want to commit to devouring your word more and more and more and more. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us like you do through your word, Lord. Strengthen us, Holy Spirit. Strengthen us from the goodness of your glory, Lord Jesus. Lord, awaken us to the enemy's plans and schemes when he tries to attack us. Strengthen us, Holy Spirit, we ask. Strengthen us in Jesus' name. And if you're sitting here in this physical location or if you're online and you would love to speak to a pastor, 
Pastor Nick's around. There's a few people you can speak to here. We'll pray with you. But if you're online, won't you type ready? And we would love to connect someone with you. But I believe that God is calling us to stand up and to devour his word. To meditate on it day and night so that we can be the church that he needs us to be. Amen.